Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. I'm your host, Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports, and joining me, the founder of Bold Worldwide, my longtime co-host who's documenting his journey of growing a $100 million agency through his video series, Growing Bold. They also just moved into some new digs. You need to be following this man on Instagram because he is dropping knowledge. They are growing, doing some awesome things. My man, Brian Cristiano. Yo, what's up, Rob? It's good to be back, man. It is good to be back, and that was quite an intro, man. Thank you. Thank yes. you. On today's show, we're going to dish about March Ad Sanity, where the top 16 official NCAA tournament sponsors battle to see who can have the most social engagement and ultimately win marketing glory. This is something that is being run by Bold Worldwide. This is year number two for it. Uh, we had people filling out brackets, and in each of the rounds, I've been creating a blog post breaking this bad boy down, but we wanted to give you a podcast version of this because we think there's a lot of good marketing lessons and little nuggets that have come from this. So, Brian, let's start with this, and let's actually go to the championship game, and by the time you're hearing this, uh, the results will be have or the results will have been published, but we do not have that yet. We've got Lowe's taking on Wendy's, and there's two very polar opposite approaches by these two. Lowe's has been very on brand. There has been no sports marketing whatsoever with them. They're very much cookie cutter appealing to the home improvement person. On the flip side, we've got Wendy's, who's been the most creative of any brand in March at Sanity. They dropped a mixtape on Spotify, as well as a social engagement campaign with hashtag Team Fresh versus hashtag Team Frozen, which is no doubt a shot at McDonald's. So looking at these two different approaches there, where do you want to start? Oh, man. Look, let's start with Lowe's, right? Because what I find interesting, while they're staying, quote, true to brand, um, they're not taking advantage of an opportunity, especially when they're a sponsor, number one. Number two, we're also talking about a home improvement company, right? Like, there's a clear, direct relationship to the audience of March Madness and the NCAA to their consumers. Now, it's not all their consumers, but it's a definitely a key piece of them, right? Male demo, sports-focused, uh, handyman. Like, it, it's all – there's a big overlap in that Venn diagram for them. So it's actually surprising to me that they're not taking advantage of it, especially as that big of a brand. So why wouldn't they do something as simple as just – showing them in a jersey putting together a vertical garden wall or god forbid be like hey do you want to create a, a basketball hoop in your backyard we're going to show you the materials that that you need for this and as i'm thinking about this the only thing that i can think of is they're hijacking the attention that is in march madness just to re-elevate their regular marketing so not really capitalizing on the opportunity to speak natively to sports fans, but instead capitalizing off of the increased eyeballs to say, we just want more eyeballs on our regular marketing, which for me as a sports fan is boring. Yeah, look, I, you know, it's, it, it is one of those catch-22s where, especially a bigger brand like that, says, well, we're, do, we're doing well. What, don't fix what's not broken in a way, at least that vision or view of it. But the reality is what, what happens with, you know, we're picking on Lowe's specifically because, you know, they're they're in the championship round here. Um, so they've done obviously very well from an attention standpoint and an engagement standpoint. However, there's opportunity to go 
more niche even when you are a very big brand. You want to appeal directly to sets of customers and you can have fun. It doesn't have to be with everything all the time, but especially when you are sponsoring something large, uh, you're sponsoring, you know, March Madness, NCAA. Why would you not find a way to cross collaborate your marketing with that sponsorship that you're doing? It just really goes to show that a lot of the large brands, while obviously they hold a lot of power and they can make a lot of big decisions, a lot of the times things come down to like, well, it's just easier. There's too many people involved, so we'll just continue to do what we're doing, and this this thing will happen over here in a silo, and we'll just keep doing our social in a silo the way that we always do it. And then reality is you need to break down those walls and break down those silos and have a strategy that says, hey, we know we're going to sponsor this thing six months from now. What can we do from a creative perspective? How do we involve our content team, our social team, our agencies, whatever, so that they can cross-collaborate and help lift and elevate the marketing as a whole? And and not have everything just be completely independent. It can be substantially more, exponentially more successful if things work that way collaboratively instead of just, well, it works well enough in a silo, we'll keep it there. So Wendy's has been the brand to beat the entire time. They kicked things off with a We Beefin mixtape on Spotify. When you talked about Lowe's not necessarily having fun, Wendy's went with the complete opposite approach, dropping what I believe was five songs on Spotify. Though in their tweets, they did miss one thing where they didn't actually put a link to Spotify. So they, they wanted the users to actually go and do it themselves, which for me, it's all about the attention to details because I'm looking at this marketing campaign. I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. I can't wait to check this out. And then I'm like, well, wait a second. Where's the link for me to click this? So something like that can be a huge determining factor in the engagement rate that you're going to see. Nonetheless, they were seeing a ton of organic engagement from that. So Brian, while I like the creativity of that and, and the brand swag makes me like Wendy's more, in terms of marketing impact, what does something like that do? Because is it... Uh, cool for a hot second and then I'm not going to think about it anymore because as I looked at it, everybody clicked on the number one song and then after that, it was a, a steady drop in in reach for each of them. So I have to imagine it, it's cool, but it's short-lived. Yeah, look, I mean... It, it, yeah, there's definitely a challenge with attention, especially if you're trying to get people to go. Uh, obviously, they missed the the link, but even still having a link, you go somewhere, you want to listen to some songs. It takes a lot of time, energy, effort. You may not like the third, fourth, fifth one, so you might kind of drop out, and that's probably what happens. However, dude, I think Wendy's, regardless of how it plays out in the championship, I, I honestly, I mean, I know that we've done or doing the calculations internally. I haven't seen the, the data, so I really don't know who, who won this round or the championship round. Um, but regardless, do Wendy's always takes advantage of what's happening in the real world, right? Whether they're sponsor or not, they're going to jump all over that conversation. And so I like the effort. So even if, hey, look, that Spotify list didn't necessarily have the biggest bang for the buck. All right, that's cool because Wendy's is going to do 25 more things the next, you know, for the rest of the year. And they're going to try different stuff. And I appreciate and respect brands that are willing to go to try different things. Hey, even if it doesn't hit, hey, we're going to be trying something again, you know, in the next month, the next week, the next opportunity. And I think Wendy's is a really prime example of a brand that does that incredibly well and has no problem. Hey, you know what? We didn't, we, we got it wrong every once in a while. And we're cool with that because it's not a perfect formula. That's how you become successful in being a brand that's treated more like a, you know, authentic person or being or whatever you want to call it, right? Like people don't look at the Wendy's account and go like, oh, this is a corporate run account. Like they have fun with it. People respond to it and joke with it because it's more human than it is this corporate brand. 
It makes me like Wendy's more. And I could see a scenario where what if they start playing this mixtape when you come into Wendy's? All of a sudden, you're like, are they rapping about burgers right now over the loudspeaker? And then you're like, whoa, what is this? And then, boom, have a little flyer. Hey, check us out on uh, Spotify. So I can see where there could be integrations that I may not see right now. So the next thing that they did, which I really liked, which will also segue into what we talk about with Reese's, is the way that Wendy's did a giveaway. So they had an app that they created, and what they were trying to do is they they had social engagement, hashtag Team Fresh versus hashtag Team Frozen, which goes to the uh, our beef is never frozen like McDonald's is. So they're getting people to hashtag it, and once they do that, they say, hey, go onto our app where we're going to give you special giveaways to win prizes and things like that. It was very organic, very engaging, and it was very, also had a very good tone, and more importantly, it also mentioned March Madness. There's something that's very top of mind for me. On the flip side, we looked at Reese's and Reese's did a giveaway with a Yeti, um, I don't know, a Yeti thermos. And all it said was, boom, when a Yeti thermos, make sure to hashtag something and then hashtag sweepstakes, no purchase necessary. And it was corporate marketing jargon 101. And while I at least appreciate the effort of them trying to do something, For me, it fell on deaf ears because I looked at the way that Wendy's did this and they had competition where it said, hey, tell me if you want to be Team Fresh or Team Frozen. Then when we give away something, we're going to do this on our app in a very native way. Yeah, look, it's it's about trying to be real and fun and engaging and not trying to be safe. I think that's what brands really... Uh, the brands that don't do social well are trying to be too safe. They're afraid of saying something or doing something that's going to, you know, piss somebody off or create some, you know, angry customers or get some bad tweets or some bad press. And the reality is when they, when you play when a brand plays that game of trying to be safe instead of not worrying about the risk or getting it wrong, what happens is you just don't get any attention or you get very little attention. So you're playing it safe, but you're getting nothing out of it. There's no dividends to be paid. So you are willing to step outside your comfort brand and say, Hey, look, we know we're not going to say something right. We're going to say something that gets taken the wrong way or doesn't, you know, doesn't come out the right way or just isn't a success or, you know, um, it gets taken the wrong way, whatever it might be. We're, we're comfortable taking that risk because we know that the dividends of just being fun and real and part of the conversation way outweigh the risk of being safe. And when brands play safe, dude, just why, why even do it is my question. Yeah, I completely agree. And Wendy's will end up being the ultimate winner in terms of even if they don't win this last round, they had the most engagement overall. They were absolutely destroying teams. Everybody combined probably had a third of the overall engagement that Wendy's did. I mean, it wasn't even in the same category. Uh, One thing that Reese's did do in the last round, even though they did lose, was they created a viral video, which they then posted on Facebook, which accounted for uh, a large majority of their social engagement there. But Brian, one thing that was very evident to me was the lack of video adoption across the board by all of these brands. YouTube was nowhere to be found. So even on the Reese's video, I want to say it had something like 800,000 views on Facebook 
And on YouTube, it was less than 10,000. And that YouTube video was the full one minute video of the entire campaign there. So why aren't brands adopting video more, even if you're going to use it on all of the platforms combined? Because it seemed to me so much of the content was homogenous and very few were given saying, wait a second, let's look at the, co the current landscape and create content for the way that people are consuming things now. It's crazy to me, man, because you know why brands still are having a tough time being okay with the fact that, you know what, the investment in content is going to be expensive where they're used to doing what they're used to operating at is, hey, we're going to spend the vast majority of dollars in our media spend and we're going to spend as little as possible to create a message. Well, that was OK when all you needed to do is create commercial, uh, you know, a 30 second commercial every three to six months maybe annually. And that was it right now. It's, Oh my God, we got to, we got to create multiple videos uh, a month, multiple videos a week, sometimes multiple videos a day. Wait, we need a full-time crew for every segment of our industry and business. And we need to be posting it and it needs to be different on every platform. So we have to have basically a full-time production company here to, to work on all this stuff. The answer is yes. But the reality is it's not, it's not yet. Brands have yet to realize that the value is not trying to spend still the same majority of your dollars in media spend as it is, you know, in the least amount in production or creative, it's, you know what, it's changing, it's shifting. So you need to spend more on creative and content and production and strategy and less on media because you know what, what's, no one cares that you're going to jam it in front of their face if it's not the right message or at the right time. I'm not saying there's anything against paid media. Granted, we do a lot of it. However, if you have a great message, a great story, you're going to get people to follow and consume and engage because they want to. And so it's a different game today than it was six, seven, ten years ago, but they're still playing the game from ten years ago. That's the problem. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. It's almost like all of these brands don't care about organic reach and the ongoing conversation. So we we have two things here. One uh, why aren't all, why aren't brands on all platforms? Here's the thing that blew my mind. Reese's did not post from February 15th until Easter. How in the world is that possible? Because when I was filling out my bracket and we talked about this last year, you're like, all right, who's got the most timely message that they can produce? And yeah. you're like, Reese's, yeah. this is a no brainer. So no I look, brainer. no brainer. I look at Instagram and I see nothing for a month and a half and it blows my mind that sports bloggers with a hundred followers can understand multi-channel content and engaging on all platforms, yet brands with tens of hundreds of millions of dollars of budget with ad agencies behind them somehow don't understand that arguably the number one content platform right now in Instagram, we're not going to be on there. How is that? How is that possible? It blows. It blows my mind. It it, it just it oh blows my, my mind. You're preaching to the choir here, dude. This is the stuff that 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 drives me up a freaking wall, and why I know that our entire industry is gonna get flipped upside down in the next five to seven years, dude. Because that's not sustainable. The brands, the agencies, the marketers, the consultancies, the strategists that freaking get it and know how to make it work are gonna be super successful in the next five to seven years, and everyone else will be irrelevant or bankrupt. So. Oh. <laughs> right so the the next thing and you you talked about this so uh we saw the number one and number two seeds in the opening round get upset because they didn't post anything on that day you're t you're <laughs> telling me that you are the biggest sponsors of march madness 
and you post zero times on the the opening round or in the Sweet 16, holy smokes, Batman. Like, all of this stuff together just – it. It blows my mind, and it's, it's going to be a, I'm going to be a broken record here because so many of these things we try and talk about simple marketing fundamentals. Whether we're talking to somebody who runs a brand, who works for a sports team, all the way down to college sports marketing students who dream of working in sports one day, and we say fundamentally these are the things that you need to be doing. And we go and see Coca Cola and Intel, two gigantic companies who spend boatloads of money to sponsor March Madness, and they get zero engagement and don't post during March Madness. <laughs> but Rob, but Rob, Facebook has my data and it's scary because it might get leaked and, and you know, and, and, and Instagram's algorithm makes it so hard so it's not worth it anymore. And, you know, and, and Rob, like, you know, no, no, no one's on, you know, no one's on Facebook anymore. That's so old for the kids. Like, but Rob, you know, dude. Come on, man. Come on. You freaking post your stuff. And Brian, we don't see results on any of these platforms. Then let's take a look at the creative. Do you ask any questions? Is there a shred of engagement? Is there any reason why people should follow you as a brand? Because that's another another thing that I looked at. Of these brands, who would I follow? Wendy's, would I follow them? Of course I would. They just dropped a mixtape. Lowe's, you're like, eh, not likely, but if I was into home improvement, at least they're trying. They're putting a consistent effort saying, hey, we want to provide value, albeit not the most creative way. But then you see all these other ones, and I'm just like, man, this is uninspiring, homogenous, and is the opposite of the way that we consume content now. And we keep talking about it all the way back to the very beginning of the sports marketing huddle when we saw Sports Authority go down, and then we see Mm -hmm. Toys R Us go down. And you're like, there's no way any of these other giant companies are going to go out of business. Really? All you need to do is look at this March ad sanity of some of the biggest companies sponsoring March Madness, and that should tell you everything you need to know about the the current state of brand marketing. Dude, he just said it, man. I mean, it's like... It's the tip of the iceberg too, you know. It's uh, it's not slowing down, and it's just this old mentality and 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 being scared from the top down of big brands that are just too conservative with their messaging and are too afraid to try things new, and they want to believe that you know they're they will they will push themselves off a cliff to their death just to say. Well, no, it's it's digital is just full of fraud, Rob. So it's not worth doing. We're going to stick with our TV and ads and print advertisements like that's the freaking mentality. Not all brands would do that. They're more unfortunately too many. How much are agencies to blame for this? They're completely to blame, dude. It's a self-perpetuating prophecy because, dude, the big agencies, man, you know, some of them are freaking required by their holdings companies to to spend a certain amount of their dollars uh, in traditional media because they all know it's a prop game. Because if they stop buying newspaper ads tomorrow because they know it doesn't work, then guess what happens? Oh, my God, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times just went out of business and were bankrupt. And then what do we do? Because, dude, they make their money off of spending their clients' money. So if there's nothing to spend it on or they can't spend it at the ease and the scale that they're used to spending it at, dude, they make less money. It's a, it like so they have to like all play the same game of like, oh yeah. Cuz when you think about it, dude, especially this Facebook stuff is really interesting, not to kind of take a sidebar, but it's all connected. This whole thing about, oh my god, Facebook and data and blah. 
dude, nothing happened. Nothing changed. Nothing really leaked. It's like, dude, what is it? Experian or something like that? TransUnion or whatever the credit agency was like seven months ago, like, like lost everyone's data, everyone's. And it has like your social security numbers and your bank information. And we've already forgotten about it. But like Facebook, they know which pages I like. Wow. You're worried about that? Holy crap. And it didn't even go anywhere. Like it's unbelievable. But guess what? Think about this. Dude, where is that narrative coming from? Oh, traditional media. Dude, because they're finally like, yeah, we got one. We got one. Because they're mad at Facebook, dude. They're mad at the digital and the social companies because they are completely destroying the old methods of communication. That's all this is. All right, Brian. Last thing that I want to mention is Twitter. So Wendy's got the large majority of their social engagement via Twitter. And one of my narratives in each of the rounds was brands need to embrace sports Twitter. Because Twitter is conversational, unlike any of the other platforms are. So Instagram and Facebook, they're very, look at what I've done. And you're, and you're seeing very few brands actually responding back. But on Twitter, it's very shareable. It's conversational. And it's very language of the internet. So for all of the, the fun that we talk about with Wendy's, it embraces it on that platform. So how do you think brands should be handling Twitter? Because I believe, especially during March Madness, brands should have had somebody on Twitter 24 hours a day for an entire month. Oh, yeah. Look, Twitter is an interesting platform, right? Because it, it is a bit of the, like, it, it, it's not as engaging unless people are using it than some of the other platforms. But you're right, especially for live events, dude. People aren't going and logging into Instagram to check live events. Where are they going? They're going to Twitter because it's a basically a live news stream, right? And so the co live conversation, especially during live events, uh, things that are happening in real time, dude, is on Twitter. So the NCAA tournament or other sports games, dude, Twitter is where it's at. Now, you still need to engage and capitalize on the other platforms the rest of the time. It doesn't mean you abandon that, right? Because the vast majority of Wendy's engagement is on Twitter, almost nothing anywhere else. However, do they know that that's how they're communicating in real time, answering questions, having fun, engaging, and, and poking and prodding on Twitter? Dude, that's where you can have a real-time conversation. You know what my challenge is, Brian? If any other brand can create the Oreo Super Bowl thing, Really, I'm tired of that being the only example of, oh my God, when the, when the lights went out in the Super Bowl, Oreo's team was there. Here's a crazy idea. How about every brand says there's a million opportunities to recreate that every single time? We just watched a kid, uh, Dante from Villanova, go off during March Madness. You're telling me while he's going off for 30 points, a brand couldn't have a team together saying, boom, let's create something that just integrates some guy going off? I mean, literally... Marketing is so easy, yet this is becoming so difficult. It's overthought, dude. Like it's so <laughs> funny, man, because because like the the Arias thing, it was freaking brilliant, and that that will probably be one of the top moments in marketing for a long time. But you're right, dude. There is no like when was the last time there was another real moment like that? It's just like everyone's like, wow, Oreo did it. We should do that. And then nobody does it. Like, that's what's going on. That's what's going on. All right, Brian, time for the takeaway. And for me, mine is nice and simple. Stop making excuses for why you or your brand can't create more content and engage. To invest, look, invest in strategy, meaning understand really what you're trying to accomplish from a brand perspective. And then where, where do you have those conversations and where do you make that content and where do you tell that story? It's certainly probably not where you're spending your money.
Brian, now it's time to get to the action item, and I'm going to throw this bad boy over to you. Woo! Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Look, it's been a while since I've been on here, so I'm going to say this. Dude, go to go to iTunes. If you aren't subscribed, please subscribe. If you are and you've been listening to the Sports Marketing Huddle for more than three episodes ever, r- rate and review it. Give Rob some extra love, dude, because I'm like I'm like on here every once in a while, but give Rob some extra love. But go rate and review. If you listen to it more than three times, that means that you gotten some value out of this thing. Go rate and review it on iTunes. It'll be super helpful. And boom goes the dynamite.